to those gathered at the Circle Perilous, and to all defenders of the broken land, welcome to episode 23 of Morocco Public Radio for the week of January 18th. We are the Casual X-Men Chat Show, where we chat everything happening in Marvel's Mutants every single week. I'm Rod, and this is the Jean Grey to my Madeline Pryor, and I want my memories back! My one and only, go make a mutant, Keegan. I technically, I, I, I'm gonna nitpick you. You did come first. I think you are the Jean Grey. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I, I try to give you the more prestigious of the two roles. <laughs> foolish, foolish. <laughs> this week, we're gonna be talking about Immortal X-Men number 10, Deadpool number three. We're gonna be going in the dark web with Dark Web X-Men number three and letting Keegan rant a little about Venom 15, then have a brief news catch up. But first, Keegan. Yeah. It's been just the two of us for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Got us tired of staring at you. Should I push the button? Push the button. Hey, we have a guest. Hey, I guess I'm the Emma Frost to your Gene and Maddie. Hey. Ooh, I like that. I like it. All right, well, please welcome Shay. Yeah, Shay Baring. All right, one of my favorite X Men TikTokers, the biggest Steve Rogers fan I know, and an important member of the Rocco Public Radio Discord. I am so thrilled to finally have you on. I am so thrilled to finally be here. This is a great podcast, and I just like love chatting with you guys. So excited to do it, kind of in person, but not yeah, as close as you get in 2023 to anything in person. Truly, <laughs> exactly. So I gave you a little heads up, but we always put first-time guests on the spot. You tell us a little about yourself, your X-Men origin story, and how much you're reading in Krakoa, because that's our stick. Oh, oh man, you all talk about Krakoa? I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so my name is Shay. I live in Washington, D.C. with my husband and my kid, and I talk about her every now and then um, on TikTok, so that's part of my brand, comics and being a mom um and yeah so my x-men journey begins like most millennials with cartoons i have vague vague memories of watching x-men the animated series but for me my x-men the introduction and show was really evolution um like had a huge connection to that absolutely loved it i think it's because it was similar to harry potter and it kick-started my obsession with interesting boarding schools with crazy goings ons which if you give me a book or a story with that, I'm going to read it like The Secret History by Donna Tartt, one of my favorite books. Um, I also come by it a little bit honest. Uh, my mom was a huge X-Men fan in the um, 80s. Storm is her favorite superhero. And even though I don't remember seeing the original X-Men movie, the memory I have sticks out is her complaining about how much she hated Halle Berry as storm and the writing was terrible for her she's like that is not storm she is regal queen of the morlocks <laughs> so i do come by my ranting honest i have to say like i get that from her but um it's great i kind of started reading comics early in the early aughts uh, but i was more of a dc person than marvel person then dc the new 52 and i'm like screw you dc and um, I got into comics around when Endgame was coming out because plot twist, I didn't like it, but that's a story for another topic. <laughs> and I decided to just start reading a bunch of comics as a palate cleanser. And that just like Krakoa was starting to kick off or like about to. And just reading into it, I, I was catching up on the old stories, everything from like Messiah Complex and all of that. Rogue and Gambit, Mr. and Mrs. X, and then just like continuing and going through it and falling in love. 
Um, right now for Krakoa, I'm reading, I was reading X-Men, not anymore. Um, <laughs> wow, I felt so bitter. I'm reading Immortal, <laughs> love that. I, I can say nice things. Um, X-Men Red is really great. Exterminators, which I think is like one of the most fun comic books. Oh, absolutely. Marvel's oh, yeah. putting out right now. And we need way more of stories like that. And I'm so bummed it's ending. I know. Uh, but I'm excited to see like stuff going forward. Roby and Gambit are getting another mini in March, which I'm really hyped about. Yeah. So I try to keep abreast of what's going on in Krakoa. Absolutely. Though, if you're following two books, the, you've got the two most important in there. So that's... Uh, yeah. And I could tell you, sometimes reading them all, not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who does it for yeah. a show, not always yeah. worth it. <laughs> and we'll get to talk about Jerry Dugan a little from his other book we're talking about this week. Yeah. But you did kind of make a big deal on the Discord last week that you finally were cutting ties with the original or the the, the adjectiveless X Men book. And yeah, can't it's say I blame you. It's kind of sad, but like this is a problem I had with him and on his Marauders run. Um, he's not exactly a great team writer. Like he focuses on one or two characters, characters fall on the wayside, plots get dropped. He doesn't really get the personalities of everyone. And I'm just like, I don't need to spend my money yeah. every month on this. And that, that totally makes sense, especially cause like, mm -hmm. I, I like buying the X-Men book right now, especially cause Forge yep. is one of my favorites and Dugan is yep. good at writing Forge. Um, yep. Not so much other people, but. <laughs> Well, I think my like acceptance of it falls into the I'm reading Red and Immortal. Like if I wasn't reading those and my only taste of X-Men, I would be very upset with you. But like he could get the sci-fi. Like yeah. I feel like it makes an okay third X-Men book. Like he makes a nice it's, side story. <laughs> it's kind of sad that the flagship it should be like the flagship X-Men team, you know? It's I agree. It uh, it's just like so comparatively weak to Immortal and Red. Yeah. Like, Red has made me cry, like, legitimate oh, yeah. tears. Immortal, which we're going to be talking about, like, literal gasps reading some issues. Like, it's just so monumentally good, like, such great writing. And then you just have adjectiveless X-Men existing. Existing. <laughs> or Absolutely. rather than the Saturday morning cartoon of it. Yeah, but even, I had never really thought about the Harry Potter ties with, with Evolution. That's That's funny. But the, the cartoons get the characters. Like I don't even know if the comparing yeah. Dugan's book to the cartoons is fair because they are character yeah. work. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, like Evolution has the best Jean Grey I've ever read or watched, or yeah. and which will come back in relevance later. But I just mean like when I talk about Saturday morning cartoons, like the uh, morality of Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, that um, makes sense. The episodic nature, like the hero is always doing the good thing without. A ton of nuance. We'll get into. I I have some sitcom comparisons going with Dark Web <laughs> X Men, so I feel what you're yeah. saying there. I think. Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to jump into Immortal X Men first? Yes. Sure. Right. Yes. Written by Kieran Gillen and drawn by Lucas Wernick, it opens in Mister Sinister's secret lab where he's desperately preparing a new Moira save point after the events of last issue. He's desperate to avoid having to go through another Judgment Day, and he wants to avoid Eternity in the Pit. Professor X narrates the issue from what looks to be a journal entry that opens, suggesting everyone should be suspicious of him. The survivors of the last issue are seen cleaning the wreckage. Cable mournfully carries Hope's body in front of the entire island who's holding vigil. In a data page, Hank McCoy explains that Hope was 
only mutant they believe to be irreplaceable for the resurrection circuit and that they hope to never need to use contingencies though mimic and sync could theoretically do it uh, mimic like can't even stomach the idea so sync steps up and with the cuckoos operating cerebro they revive exodus hope savior and emma who immediately gather everyone and launch an assault on sinister's alaskan hideout Sinister launches a variety of Chimera, including Cyclops combos and Wolverines with like extra claws jutting out from everywhere. Uh, meanwhile, Xavier's narration continued to explain that no one was recruited to the X-Men by coincidence, even from the very beginning. Everything he'd done was cold and calculated because protecting mutant kind was all that mattered to him. Sinister attempts an escape in a ship that Exodus and Hope bring down easily. He attempts to have his Chimera troops open fire, but Xavier telepathically takes them all out. And Emma delivers like a roundhouse kick to knock Sinister out where he stands. Cable leads Sinister to the Quiet Council Chambers, where they banish him to the pit. While Xavier's narration explains that there could never be a nuclear war on Earth. He has placed a psychic block that would cause any world leaders to freeze in place if they tried to push the button. Uh, at the meeting's end, Destiny tells Mystique, they gotta get the heck out of there right away. Xavier's narration concludes talking about how mutants have always been victimized, but he has never been one himself. He takes off his helmet, looks at the mirror, where on his forehead rests a shiny red diamond. That's, that's the way to kick off an event. <laughs> the like, gasp I let out. <laughs> I gasped so many times that issue. Uh, first with the nuclear um, war thing, like I'm like, oh, oh damn. I figured and, that was the mic drop. I wasn't expecting another mic drop yeah. two pages later. <laughs> and just so many mic drops since you brought it up we could talk about the implications of he would prevent a nuclear war and like the other things he hasn't prevented in throughout <laughs> marvel history we could talk about but that's okay oh yeah. Uh, yeah like i like how he meant he's it's an interesting thing about talking about power especially like with x-men and even superheroes in general just what they can and cannot prevent and what is free will and not free will and how he views himself as complicit in all the atrocities that have happened politically because he arguably could have changed it. Yeah. I thought that was such an interesting character beat to hit oh, on really? like so many fronts. I think it's something interesting that I don't know any issues done that threads kind of the two portrayals we've always gotten of Xavier because we've he's either portrayed as as a hero who will do anything or like the jerk who will do anything to protect mutant kind. And like this was a level of nuance I don't we've ever seen where I'm like, yeah, that's a really gray, gray thing morally. Yeah, it kind of actually, talking about it makes me think of what Magneto was saying as he was dying. You know, Charles is a good man and a good man will do anything to be perceived as a good man. And it just like kind of weaves nope. together with all of that. Completely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it really shows there's been that plan in everything, and it's been clearly shared with, with Ewing. Because, um, yeah, that, it really, it was such a cool moment for him, but also, like you guys were saying, the cold and the calculating nature of Chuck as well. It's just... I loved his monologue where he was talking about how it's good he had his powers and Eric had his powers, because if Eric was a telepath, humanity would have already been wiped out when he was at yeah. his lowest mental point i'm like dang like yeah. you're right <laughs> but it's just like saying it no one's ever actually like said that really 
yeah the 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 that was another moment where i gasped was him being like cerebro allows me to find every mutant which means it allows me to find every non-mutant i could just go through all of humanity figuring out who's what and wipe them out it's so good (laughs) and you you brought this up keegan but it does really emphasize how excited i am for the sins of sinners crossover because i don't know that we've ever had a full year of build from three separate writers that are clearly coordinating this well like this wasn't something planted in the last few months this was planted well over a year ago in three separate ongoing comics yeah it's really beautiful and really exciting and it's a really great time for an x-men fan because like the brand synergy is so good and we haven't seen that level of brand synergy in such a long time that it just makes the world feel connected even the Jonathan Hickman-led office, I feel like, was was everyone following his lead in a way that this this really seems like a collaborative effort, at least at least leading into this event. We, we could talk about Fall of X or whatever is going on with those buildups and how that might seem a little more disconnected, but the lead-up of these three books into this event feels like the most coordinated since I've been following weekly, at least. I'm, I'm so stoked. Mm-hmm. and everyone's like playing to their own strengths so hard yeah. like everyone is so good at what they're doing it's okay. really beautiful mm-hmm. absolutely okay okay does anybody remember what the sinister secret was for this issue i don't remember no i don't i'm sure right. you do finally someone who actually deserves it get thrown gets thrown in the pit good riddance uh do you remember some of the speculation we had over the last few months keegan I don't remember all of what we were saying. Though. I remember at one point, one point we were convinced it was going to be Destiny. At one point we were mm-hmm. talking about it being Logan. I think there's kind of a simple beauty to it being Sinister himself. And it was more of a sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, for, for all of our speculation, I feel like sometimes we do just kind of let Occam's razor go out the window. You yeah. know, it's like the simplest explanation is that Sinister is in the pit because he is an asshole and he knows he's an asshole. It's more like, no, nah, I can't be it. I mean, at this point, he's the worst person left on the Quiet Council. Like, oh yeah, well, and I feel like if anything, we've learned he's the worst who was ever on the Quiet Council. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's the, I mean, like he's the worst. So, like, out of all the QC members, like, yeah, it's it's gonna be him. Like I said in a TikTok, um, part of my curse thing, you know, like, the Q- Quiet Council fucked around and this is them finding out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I still think Fall of X has to be the end of the Quiet Council and it has to be them getting rid of them because they let this happen. Like, they brought Sinister in and we saw what happened. Yeah, I mean, it really it's the only next step that i can see from there (laughs) uh foreshadowing we got in previous issues but uh from destiny's board when she or like vision when she was breaking down each possible future we are officially in the empire of the red diamond now all the other possibilities have all been eliminated so uh which means we're gonna see the storm system next which i assume happens in storm and the brotherhood but Probably, there, yeah. There is something really fun about all this foreshadowing we're getting. I don't know that we ever got it, that kind of... It kind of, in some ways, reminds me of way back in the aughts with Booster Gold and Rip Hunter's mm. board of hints. And everyone yes. was trying to figure that out. And for those who don't know, like Rip Hunter is a time traveler. And he had like this, you know, chaos board of just like random things that were happening and fans were like 
oh man, I wonder what's coming next and piecing it together. So so he's not using it quite as much, but John's brought that back now yeah. that he's doing the new Golden Age and stuff. He's doing it again where he's Ooh. he's using the Rip Hunter's board again. So I love that. We get a little taste of what we got in yeah. a much broader scale back then, yeah. Just going back through the issue, one of my, like, I, I really, I threw it into my summary. Yeah. I thought with both Xavier and Emma, like, off the board using yeah. the cuckoos was a really cute, like, that was neat scene. And it took all four of them working together to use Cerebro. It wasn't just yeah. one real couldn't power. Circuit. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, one of the subtle things, I guess it's not really subtle since several panels are dedicated to it, about this issue that stuck out to me and, you know, probably as well as a parent is Cable oh, cradling yeah. Hope's body. Like, that messed me up. Because no. they're one of my favorite parent-child relationships in comics. Like, it's just so good. And just, like, seeing him holding her, like, it was just such a powerful and painful moment. Honestly, as a dad, Cable hit me yeah. from both the both sides of the relationship <laughs> this week. I got hit with him as yep. a dad here and then him yep. as a baby in a book we'll talk about later. So, Oh, yeah. I, Parenthood's I, a theme. <laughs> Parenthood's a, a theme this week. All revolving around poor Nathan. Yeah. Poor Nathan. Uh, and like the scene of he's the first one to like drape a blanket around hope like father just uh sometimes i feel like they don't spend enough time on that but whenever they do it's always really powerful whenever they do show yeah, him in that role well and especially if you came in during mutant messiah complex i'm sure you've got an especial attachment to to that relationship yeah. for sure mm-hmm. it's just like so good and i love it so and this is just pure, I, I just want to pick your brains on it. We saw when Xavier dies, no diamond. Even when he pops out of the egg, no diamond. I've seen two theories online. There's people saying that when he looks in the reflection in the mirror, it's like a metaphor that like he doesn't really have a diamond on his forehead. Or that being pitted was like the trigger that unlocked all of the Trojan horses. Do we, do we have a favorite theory on when xavier lost his free will i think there has to be something that triggered it if only because i'm going back to the sinister secret and being like i feel like he said this would happen because he's like oh no to the pit i go oh that's that's a really good point like him saying in the sinister secrets that he was going to the pit like i would think that that would be it that would be you know his uh, sleeper agent trigger right there is that he gets in the pit. And what I'm really excited for is like seeing how deep it goes because um, something I was thinking about and actually talking with Joe um, yesterday about it was how in like the previews we see a Captain America sinister and going back to Judgment Day how Steve Rogers is the only human who's been resurrected. Um, yeah. via the resurrection protocols and how even like all of that ties together i just saw a panel and i i didn't take the time to look at which issue it was from but apparently at one point where we when we see hope like uh injecting some of the dna into one of the eggs it's got like a diamond on the vial that she's using uh-huh. so and we we knew he had used the they used his like database of dna so i'm definitely curious yeah, that's entirely reason he's on the seat of government or how they justified yeah Yeah. why he was there from the very beginning i think and i think that's probably why the diamond on the vial like probably didn't stand out to me because i'm just like yeah of course it's his brand of course he's gonna put his logo on everything that comes from him that's true that's fair and i also love talking about how when he was 
the X-Men were surging on his island, you know, it was me and Mora and Magneto who built this. It was me. Yeah. And just like the layers that goes into it. Now well, that's what got my gears turning was both that line and then a few issues ago. And it, it could just be a reference to, to Mike Carey's stories from before, mm-hmm. but he, they, they uh, Destiny made that reference back in was it the 30s and 40s whatever whenever that flashback issue took place where she's she's she talks about how he wants to get embedded in all of these families including the okay. xavier's so ha- has all of these like deeds that we've been criticizing xavier for making yeah. like how yeah. much influence has he had already i don't know yeah I, that's crazy to think about and it's also thinking about think about how many characters have been brought back like all of the leaders and heavy pretty much everybody yeah i don't think rogue has gone through it um i think you're right gambit i don't think has so like i mean i guess they can like retroactively but gambit's already might possibly be a sleeper in and of itself that we don't know so yeah that's true gambit's original (laughs) i still think it's crazy this goes off topic a little but uh he was originally supposed to be just sinister like that was Claremont's mm-hmm. original plan was he was going to be, yeah, it's crazy. And like, I guess there's some other characters that haven't been resurrected. I think I know, this I'm was the first think. time that Emma's been brought back, hasn't it been? I think you're right. I think it's Emma's first round. So Joe brought up last time I brought this up that apparently she had been at one point, but I see people talk online a lot about how Storm has been like a survivor and hasn't hasn't been brought back he named an instance where apparently she was but i i just i see online a lot of people talk about the storm like that's why she's able to leave the team or whatever in since the sinister predict or they're, they're predicting that at least and i've not gone back to fact check either way <laughs> yeah and part of it is like there's a lot of artist errors over the years where oh. they're doing like things like resurrection they just like throw a recognizable character in the background or something so like that could even be part of it too well, yeah we just had that with uh darwin that yeah <laughs> they, they drew him as being revived and they made it an entire plot point that he hadn't been so all right uh i did want to because we we're talking about the amount of foreshadowing i don't know if you guys saw this kieran gillen does like a blog every issue he posts and he had this okay. great quote where he talked about this issue he said good or bad this is exactly what i wanted to do with the book it's the Xavier point of view issue, and I've had the entire monologue and a lot more lying around in my hard drive from before issue one dropped. So when I went back to write my notes, I, I read the yeah. entire monologue in the context of like nothing had else had happened yet. And it really shows yeah. how much this dude plans ahead. It's really cool. It also shows just like a deep understanding of the characters that he's writing. If even before like the entire story has been like fully put down to paper. And, you know, it shows how much he gets it because it, this is like one of my favorite portrayals of Charles. Like that oh, monologue absolutely. is like top tier character exploration. And, you know, Immortal Stage is a focus on each character and he's done really well with that. And like it's Immortal, like there's a lot of plot going on, but it's also a character study after mm-hmm. character study. And I, I just love that. What's the I mean, thing? It is somehow the the flagship plot, but it like that's the B that's the B part of the story. Like, like yeah. it is the main focus of the X Men story, but story is not the main focus of the book. The book is focused yeah. on characters and happens to have this really important story that happens behind it. It's kind of amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, that's why I really like it. I'm a character-driven person. Like, mm-hmm. plot can matter, but I'm more interested in, like, what's going on in the characters' heads, what makes them feel, like, human, to use that term for the mutants' characters. But, you know, what makes them feel like people and recognizable. So, like, Gillen's probably, like, one of my favorite comic writers right now because he does it so well, and he did really well in Judgment Day, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, Rob, I think you can agree with me on this one, probably, is that, like, Immortal, as far as, like, the character work that it's doing, is doing what I wish the One Bad Day line was doing with the villains. Yeah, there you go. Like, that's I, that's what I was expecting out of it. I hadn't drawn that comparison, but absolutely, this is, this is doing One Bad Day better than DC is doing One <laughs> Bad Day. You're right, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, and, like, I think it's really cool that, like, he had his end point, end point, beginning point at the same time, right, with this Charles yeah. issue. Yeah. And like built to it so perfectly. Like he did he did drop here and on Twitter. We're getting two more issues and an annual, which those last two issues are gonna be the Storm and the Colossus issue. Hopefully we get like a year or two or something after Fall of X, but that's that's what we can expect from Immortal once Sins of Sinister ends is two more issues and an annual. Exciting. And um, if this is the end of the Quiet Council, like I think it was an interesting run, and I'd be excited to see what comes next. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a feeling the only path forward is something where th- the collective of mutants get more of a say, right? Like, that's the only way Krakoa can survive going forward once they know how the oligarchy, like, played with them. Like, they're going to have to either yeah. step up and say, hey, we get some say in who rules us, or it really is going to be the end of, like, it as we know it. And I'm really hoping yeah. it goes some way they salvage the Krakoan experiment, because I'm loving it. Yeah, but. I think... Krakoa at this point always has to exist in some form and maybe that's just wishful thinking for me it might not be like the center of the world anymore like I fully expect once X-Men 97 or even X-Men enter the MCU Krakoa is not going to be the focus anymore because you know synergy exists it's a thing you can't escape it um but yeah so I think that's coming I just hope Krakoa doesn't go away completely and you know it makes sense yeah because, like, uh, human, it, people breaking off and forming their own countries or, like, their own factions, like, that's a natural consequence of nation building and world yeah. building. I mean, I definitely, I think Krakoa is always going to be there to an extent the way Wakanda is now. You know, I yeah. think, I think Krakoa is an eternal part of the Marvel Universe um, to some extent. Like you said, maybe not the, the focus, but it'll always be there just like Wakanda and is it Atlantis in the comics and something else in the movies? I can't remember anymore. Yeah. It's in the comics. It's Atlantis. And I can't yeah. remember what the new name is, but um, it sounds really cool. I can't say it. Yeah. And I'm not going to try to butcher it, but it's got that really cool kind of Mayan influence. name. I, yeah. Really yeah. Cool I, I, I can't remember. It's like to, to something with a T to Tulticon, yeah. something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> it, it's uh, good. It made me cry. I will, don't really want, ever want to watch it again. <laughs> I, th- I think it's ju- it's within the next few weeks going to end up on Disney Plus. So watch That's it when it hits. It. Yeah, hit, yeah. hit it when it. Yeah. Uh, I've been comparing it. To, I think it's going to go the way of like the Savage Land, where it'll be like in the toy box, so they can go visit Krakoa when they need to. But yeah, as soon as synergy hits, it's going to be de-emphasized, and I think we're all going to be bummed for a little while because it's going to be yeah. a tough loss. I go back to constant persecution stories like i like how the metaphor shifted to minority 
and mutant celebration and culture building. So I don't really want to go to like the storyline. Everyone hates it still exists, but it's not the only completely that exists. And I do think that's a hard thing about once they go for synergy is they're going to go right back to the constant cycle of, of new genocidal threat, new, like, they just barely survive. Things have to constantly get worse and worse. I, yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's a real bummer. Deadpool 3, we need this one kind of quick. Deadpool 3, written by Alyssa Wong, drawn by Martin Cola. Lady Deathstrike is having breakfast with her brother, Lord Deathstrike, on a lovely pad where he's taunting her for failing her atelier tryout by not killing Dr. Octopus. Luckily, he does have a new final opportunity for her. She has one week to kill Octavius and Deadpool. Deadpool is recovering in Valentine Vuong's house, who admits that they think he's cute and want to help nurture the carnage baby growing in him. Harrower and Doc Ock are also having breakfast while plotting how to get Deadpool. Harrower reveals that the new carnage baby has a genetic compulsion to find her. And uh, the pool works both ways, so she knows right where they are. Valentine and Deadpool go on a date at the zoo where Harrower uses her powers to send giraffes to attack. Lady Deathstrike also arrives at the zoo. But she gets sidelined by an army of bugs as Harrower activates all the animals in the zoo as minions and they all attack. Uh, so, as our guest, we, you're, you're not reading Deadpool, which is totally a fair yeah. take. I have to be honest, this is the only Deadpool ongoing probably ever that I'm actually like really enjoying. It's a interesting take because Alyssa Wong is writing like a non-offensive Deadpool, if that makes sense. Like, cool. he's... Like, in the first issue, he falls in love with a non-binary person, and instead of making all of the, like, non-binary jokes you'd expect, like, they make one joke where he he's writing out all the things to, to, to like, seduce her. To seduce, yeah, yeah pick-up lines. And one of them is, like, will you be my inbay? Like, spelled E-N-B-A-E. So, like, that's, like, the most offensive joke he makes. And it makes it really interesting because I always avoided Deadpool because I always thought of it as kind of, like, that dude bro misogyny, like, chimichanga and sex jokes but she's giving it a really interesting take that it's a lot of fun it's it's yeah. super not related to anything else x-men i thought when he joined x-force yeah. it would be more tied in it's not tied in at all so it was it was a fun issue it was a cute issue i liked the whole date aspect of it um yeah. i think him and valentine are fun together it's, it's a fun dynamic i don't think we've seen yeah, I just had a cup. I only had a couple notes. I said uh, it was neat to see Harrower finally feel a little different than Poison Ivy because if you've never seen this character, she Deadpool is only her second appearance. She's basically a Poison Ivy like exact analog, um, but she's the granddaughter of one of the old ladies from the Hickman era. Uh, oh, the horticulture. Yeah, she's she's the granddaughter of one of the horticulture ladies. So that's how they like tied it back into the X Men by bringing okay. her her in that way. Uh, but she likes animals too. So they finally made a way to make her separate from Poison Ivy. She's not just the plant lady, but she also is like, oh, I also control animals. Uh, and then the zoo had three mascots that they go visit. Teeny the tiger, Vita the Venus flytrap, and Leah the lion. And I just thought that was a really cute tribute because they were named after Teeny Howard, Vita Ayala, and uh, Leah, Leah Williams. So I thought that was like a sweet tie-in. That's all my notes on Deadpool, though. Do you have anything else, Keegan? Not at all. It was a fun, inconsequential issue. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, when it hits Marvel Unlimited, you should give the first issue a shot. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'll definitely 
definitely be willing to check it out. I think, like you, I've just been kind of turned off to, like, the character of Deadpool. And I really don't like the meta characters. Yeah. Deadpool is, or even, like, Squirrel Girl to a degree, so. I don't blame you. Like, I I probably wouldn't have even given it a shot if it wasn't for the show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You guys want to talk Dark Web X-Men number three? Let's uh, Let's do it. To your web. Written by Jerry Dugan and drawn by Rod Rees, it opens with Forge and Sink holding the line at the treehouse. Forge, realizing since the demons are forbidden from touching Krakoa, he could just use the limbs of the treehouse to expand the borders of Krakoa. After a recap of Madeline Pryor's backstory, the psychic battle between Jean and Maddie plays out. Jean seemingly doesn't believe Maddie, only wants the memories, and insists she's lying, so they brawl. Uh, It begins as an Omega on Omega slugfest, with Maddie calling on demons and Jean blasting through walls, but devolves into, like, headlocks and hair-pulling like any sister fight does, before Jean breaks free, uh, frees magic, and tells her to meet up with the X-Men. She's surrendering to Maddie's shock. Jean admits she assumed Maddie was out to get her, but uh, she'd just happily share the memories. She sees the good, the bad, and everything in between that parents of toddlers get. Gene even volunteers the more recent teen cable memories from when he showed up at the beginning of Krakoa. Gene reiterates that giving her the memories doesn't take them away from her. She suggests uh, only Maddie could make everything right and encourages her to say those magic words. To me, my X-Men! The summer boys come running in with a small herd of puppies. Scott blames saving the dogs for why they're late, and Havoc offers to help Maddie make it all right. He might not fit in with the X-Men, but he damn sure is an X-Man. Maddie apologizes to him, and they all agree to go kick some demon ass, with Jean confessing she pushed the Quiet Council to resurrect Maddie all along. Maddie leads them back to New York, while Magic suggests they should keep some of the puppies. I'm with Magic. Let's keep the puppies. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Rod, you called the puppy adoption. I am full on board. We need a Magic spinoff. You could, we're going to need to relaunch New Mutants, have a magic spinoff that is just her training puppies. I would read I mean, five straight issues of her training dogs. You can even show up in Strange Academy. <laughs> Doctor Strange has Bats the dog, so, you uh-huh. know, magic can just be friends for Hound. There you go. I Let's love see. that idea. I was saying, you know, because we have Bite Wing in DC, <laughs> we need Bite Clops in Marvel. <laughs> so there was some heated discussion early on because out of our, like, circle in the Discord, Joe is very, very pro this issue. Uh, Shay, you were the first to come out very, very anti this issue. Yeah. I I, I might land somewhere in the middle. Uh, Keegan, do you have, like, are you leaning one way or the other? I am sorry, Joe, but I don't (laughs) like this issue. Okay. So I have, you know, various bullet points for talking about Dark Web, and part of it is, you know. The retcon? (laughs) the retcon but ultimately like was this necessary did this need to be an event it definitely didn't need to be an event with that length of a checklist let's go there first there was no need for 99 (laughs) tie-ins like and you know i as a whole i have issues with how editorial over the many decades has treated madeline Pryor because i feel like they are just so unwilling to let Gene and Scott look like assholes that they're like, it's okay. She's evil, or it's okay. Maddie's just so mad at everyone. She's just raising hell on New York rather than trying to have a conversation. <laughs> so, and that, you know, ties to it of like the X Men story could have been solved in a conversation. And while I admit that is very human, like it didn't make for a compelling story. Yeah. I mean, that's the. the... 
Yeah. I learned this exact lesson when I was watching teen sitcoms on Nickelodeon on Saturday nights. That that was my first reaction was this was the single most sitcom resolution to an event we've ever gotten. And like to me, and like I feel like it's an extra insult, is it's not even like sitcom sitcom on ABC. This is right. SNCC, you know, Nickelodeon yeah. sitcom, <laughs> teens only, iCarly level sitcom. Where was the slime? Although I guess the, the pudding from the, the Spider-Man issue. The pudding. She's made of slime. Kids Choice Award. Brandy. Are, are the demons the dancing lobsters? This just turned into the most millennial podcast of all time. Yes, because talking X-Men between two 30-year-olds was never that. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I, I do think the, the sitcom thing gets down to, I think what doesn't work for me here is purely execution. Like the idea that we have a story where Gene and Maddie come to terms with like, I never hated you, Maddie. I, I did want to give you the memories, but you're kind of a psycho. So I thought you were attacking me. Like always could have been a really compelling story, but instead it comes off as like a bunch of quips and then a sitcom ending. Yeah. And that, that is, I think, yeah. is what made it really hard for me. Yeah, and, like, there are more things to it. Like, for me, the whole Gene-Maddie thing, I wish it would have just been more even between Gene and Maddie rather than Gene being, like, St. Gene, who's perfectly, you know, nice and wonderful and empathetic and understanding and not really angry, except for, like, when Maddie's attacking and Maddie just being psycho. Yeah. Like, I wish it would have felt like a more even footing between the women because I felt that would have just been fair and better writing as a whole. So I've been trying to be really fair with Dark Web because I kind of came in a little jaded because I thought it was really messed up. I loved Vidaiala's portrayal of her in, was that her last arc or second to last arc? The, the arc where she, yeah. she got Limbo back. Um, I love that portrayal and we kind of seen that it was being undone by this before we even got that arc because we were told yep. about Dark Web all the way back at Free Comic Book Day. And so I went into this a little jaded and I tried to really give it a chance. But yeah, it really seems uneven with, with the portrayal of Maddie that we get the flashbacks that make it really sympathetic of saying like, hey, yep. like, you should care about Maddie. Like Maddie clearly was yep. wronged, but also she's a psycho. And I, I feel like yep. I, I've been... And that's partially why I didn't like the resurrection retcon or wish they had given more nuance to Jean on Maddie's resurrection. And the reason I say it's a retcon is because like Cyclops in Hellions heavily implied that Jean's feelings on the issue are partially what delayed um, Maddie getting resurrected, which seems kind of weird and out of character for Scott to say if Gene's like, you need to bring Maddie back. I, I know we we had some yeah. you and Joe had a conversation on, on TikTok yeah. Live and yeah. he kind of made the point made the, the argument that it wasn't a true retcon, that it was just implied yeah. before. I think I line, line up with you where like that was it was pretty heavy handed that he was saying yeah. like Gene doesn't want didn't want you back. I, mm. I took this as a pure retcon. That's the way I take it. Yeah. And it felt like an unearned retcon to an extent, like it was just to make Gene look good. Yeah, and even if you, the argument to tie to Gillen's writing, if you wanted to say Gene wanted argued for Maddie back, have it tie back to what um, Gillen was doing in Axe, and Gene doing yeah. a lot of, called out for doing good Axe to make up for the fact that she did bad Axe and not because it's something she wants to do. And Maddie using telepathy being like, oh really? Because I know your thought process, 
it has nothing to do with you actually caring or being a good person. That You're just trying really to cool. look good. And I feel like that would have actually been like a more even footing between the women and allowed for a better way to talk them out and mm-hmm. them come together. I absolutely I feel like even a lot of that work of like even grounding could have been done and this is just me personally like if they had done more with the actual fight between the two of them because mm-hmm. at the end of X, uh, Dark Web X-Men number two like that last page kind of it made us expect something fight. big <laughs> yeah I was yeah. expecting something way more than just like you know as Rod even said like a sister fight which is really how it yeah. felt like I've watched my friend's sisters have that same fight minus the telepathy <sighs> Well, they came see, across as teen girls, which yeah. ties back to our sitcom. Yeah, I kind of like that the fight ended there, but I feel like it didn't ramp up enough before that. Like we should have right. seen way more psychic, like throwdown, and then it ends with them doing the headlock noogie stuff. Yeah. yeah, it just didn't land. Yeah, and they, like they really could have done a lot of that footwork of evening them out during a more big bombastic type of fight. Because even well, during the fight, it was a foregone conclusion that Gene was stronger and going to win. So, like, mm-hmm. there wasn't even that much tension to the battle. I did like in the scene that broke down how, even yeah. though they were identical, yeah. they had their different bicycles. Uh, it references, and I wish I had it in front of me to, to use the phrasing, but it talks about how Maddie would fit in well on Arako. I really mm-hmm. hope that's a seed. I hope she's moving yeah. over to red or whatever red turns into. Yeah, I Move. think that would be, like, very exciting for her. Like, because I want good things for the character. She's done a lot of terrible things in the past. But, again, it goes back to me feeling like the hand of God just sort of, like, made it that way rather than it being a natural evolution or something. Well, it was just that, like, you have to be evil now. Sorry. And I know I I, I come off as a total Ewing fanboy, but yeah. I, I feel like he would have the – like, he would be a nurturing home for her. He, he could bring out the best in her or – he he knows how to redeem characters or bring out that side of characters. Like I, I'm hoping that was a hint at something. Yeah, I I liked that moment. I was just gonna say you brought up the Hellions uh, was what was retconned, and I think that really speaks to how poorly put together this crossover is. That this is a crossover spearheaded by the dude who wrote Hellions. This is this is a Zeb Wells baby crossover, and he wasn't able to like nudge that retcon to make sense that it was like a beat he created and it just gets flat out retconned in the next story that he's got his fingers in made it especially ridiculous yeah and it's so weird i don't know and we were talking earlier about like brand synergy and part of my issue even though things made me cry is like maddie's motivation just feels so out of pocket and like i totally get what she was talking about the scene of being referenced about being created to be a broodmare like as a woman reading that is just like painful um you know and as a mother the scenes of her talking about cable and when she and Jean unite like that was beautiful and te- made me tear up when she was seeing all those memories of baby nathan but at the same time, I'm like, I do have a few issues of, like, her motivation being reduced to motherhood, especially by written by men, if that yeah. makes sense. No, I completely um, see that. And I was hoping going into this event, like, Maddie wanted to burn the whole world down because of Krakoa, because of Sinister being on the seat of government, because Jean sat with him on the seat of government. And how can you be, have all, apparently, these ill feelings toward me and be next to this man for so long? And because you did not leave because of him you left for other reasons and like the lack of community um she was feeling um joe brought that up too like 
limbo she became queen of but she also got shunned away from a bunch of people and she felt like she couldn't be safe on Krakoa because of their acceptance of sinister and I thought that would have been a beautiful way to tie into a mortal but no it's just like about Nathan which I get as a mother but at the same time I'm like if you're gonna make Nathan a character why is he not even in this book yeah yeah well I I feel like Maddie is a different character in each of the dark web tie-ins um because like okay yeah she's really upset that she didn't get to have the motherhood experience with her child Nathan great I can buy into that until she literally takes Eddie who's trying to find his son and save his son and takes his brain away so that he becomes a zombie. She turns yeah. Eddie trying to find his son into a zombie, but she wants to, it, it doesn't make sense to me. The scale never made sense. And we kept, we talked about what we've talked about dark web almost every week because it's got this crazy long checklist, but especially when we talked about the first two issues of this, this mini mm. that, we kept expecting more of a motivation to be revealed. It seemed like yeah. just wanting those memories wasn't enough to literally send agents of hell to destroy New York City. Like that seemed like, like you're saying, a giant escalation. And we never yeah. got that. We, this this didn't didn't address that she was overreacting. It just was literally her saying, "Whoops, my bad. I got the memories. I guess we should go stop them." And they're all gonna band together. And it felt too easy for sure. Like I think there were ways to do it. They just didn't do that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it comes down again to execution, and I hate to agree with you because I really like when he gets all sci-fi, but it's the Dugan yep. of it. It's it's like you're saying, he doesn't get team dynamics, he doesn't get that heavy-handed character work that a lot of X-Men stories really rely on. Yeah, for like, because for me, X-Men is at its best when it's like characters interacting with each other. I mean, X-Men is basically a soap opera. That's what made it famous. It was... Absolutely. You know, it wasn't just the plot, it was the characters themselves and how they related to one another. Well, going back to Judgment Day again, which it's unfair to compare this to Judgment Day, but that's what made yeah. Judgment Day amazing, was it was all soap opera. Like, it was literally yeah. characters having to face their actions. Yeah. There was and no like, there were action so figures. And there were so many good moments, because, like, characters failed who you thought would pass, and characters passed who you thought would fail, yes. and then... Like, it was beautiful, and it, like, made sense when they described it. Like, the scene where Matt Murdock sees Christ on the cross, like, that broke me. And I'm like, oh. And just, like, thinking about how painful that would be for him in particular. But also, like, Aunt May seeing Ben and getting that, and um, Eric seeing Anya at the end. Tears. Dark Web has none of that. It just made no. me angry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we leave the Dark Web, I you brought up Eddie, but is there anything you want to say on Venom 15? It's had literally nothing to do with X-Men. It didn't seem like it had a lot to do with this crossover. But... Uh, so Venom 15 was fun, and they needed to make it related to Dark Web, even though it was a Dylan issue. <laughs> so at the end, well, he, he includes Normie. He brings Normie the symbiote. And then uh, Miss Marvel shows up because why not? Um, <laughs> it was fine. I, I like the Dylan stuff, and um, I think his vanish, I mean, Codex costume is really cool. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it was fine. He, he realized that he can disconnect uh, symbiotes from the hive mind. So he took Sleeper off of it. Theoretically, the symbiote that he gives to Normie is disconnected from the hive mind, and he's going to do the same 
He's going to kill all of the other Eddies is his plan. Well, and the the big hint is he says the the fourth guy for their little team is an agent, right? So the assumption is that's that's going to be someone in the a- agent costume. Probably. I mean, he did. He also called... Um, he, I think he's also kind of doing that naming convention because he called Sleeper Sleeper Agent at one point. Oh, okay. So I think that the implication is that anyone that he disconnects, he's adding like agent onto. Well, or, and this is getting way off topic, but remind yeah. me, Kate, Kate's revived Flash Thompson, right? So Flash Thompson is alive somewhere right now? I, I believe so. Okay. So that's I, my assumption. My assumption um, is that's going to be the big return of Flash Thompson, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the case. I mean, I... Yeah, I'm gonna say I remember that. Yes, um, a lot. Venom has gotten hard to follow. <laughs> well, with two writers, and it's it's Rom V and it's Al Ewing, so it's two dudes that go real heady, and they're kind of it's one story, but they're going in separate directions currently. So it is a tough yeah. series to follow. I'm really enjoying it, but yes, I, it I is like a tough it a book lot. to follow. Um, it's a little tough to follow. I think it's it's getting a little caught up in. Um, crossover madness because it had like the crossover with thor and now it has this and and it's about to have like the three summer more crossovers this year. <laughs> yeah so you know it, it's gonna struggle for a bit i think but we'll see what happens um i am going to choose to have faith <laughs> <laughs> fair all right we had a few news stories this week to talk about are, are any of you guys playing midnight suns i am starting I'm it up not. soon okay yeah, I plan on getting it. have not grabbed it yet. But they just announced today that uh, next week, January 26th, so maybe it's two weeks away, whatever. No, next week, uh, Deadpool, the Merc with a Mouth, is now the Merc with a Date. Join Deadpool as he teams up with the Midnight Suns to tear evil a new one on January 26th. Expand your adventure with Deadpool and the Good, Bad, and the Undead, the first DLC for Marvel's Midnight Suns. Deadpool joins the team as an in-your-face damage dealer wielding 10 unique hero abilities, plus new story missions. And then a bunch of game-specific stuff that means nothing to me. But apparently, it adds a completely different gameplay mechanic. He plays unlike any of the four already there. So it sounds like a big deal. And I don't know. I, I liked fun. Yeah. I liked the Deadpool game that came out. Was that PS3? Whatever it was. Whenever it came out, like, 10 years ago. That was a fun little game. So might be enough to get me to pull the trigger sooner yeah. than I was going to. Yeah. I only I mean, have a Switch, so. Oh, that'll do it, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, but Marvel... Ultimate Alliance 3 was fun. If you haven't played that yet, that was a good one on Switch. That was a fun little game. A good friend of mine is playing Midnight Suns right now, and he says that he loves it. Okay. Um, His his exact review process of it is, uh, apparently I love Marvel card-based video games because (laughs) him and I are both addicted to Marvel Snap. Oh my god, me too. Oh, it's so good. And he says that Midnight Suns is, apparently has a lot of card-based in it too okay um, i thought i was thinking okay. it was more ta- like a like xcom so very cool yeah a lot of it apparently it's like from the xcom team but it has a lot of okay. card system in it um and he says that he loves it okay that's yeah. good to hear mm-hmm. i i told you last week again i've been really shy since i, I really did not enjoy avengers to do like yeah. any of the marvel games <laughs> that weren't spider-man so i yeah, also have is- have somehow resisted the thrall of Marvel Snap, and every time you talk it up, I get really like closer to diving in. It's okay. It's really fun, but it's really easy to get addicted to it. So you yeah. know, if you have a lot going on, which you know you do, um, 
Yeah, I still got a lot, a lot of prep to do for twins, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I recommend it, but probably wouldn't for you at this moment. Um, but like, it Snap is so addictive that like I have a friend group that we have a group chat. We all talk yeah. in it. The friends that have Marvel Snap have a separate group chat <laughs> to talk Marvel Snap in. That's fair. Okay. It's really fun. It got me through being laid off because it mm. was just like distracting enough. Um, but you know, I think it could be good during those two AM feedings where you're That's just like true. holding them or trying to rock them because my husband played a lot of mobile games. Maybe um, maybe I'll leave it for my backup plan for <laughs> Well and I, our daughter. Yeah, I'll say this much. It has helped me not get back into Magic the Gathering. Um, oh, because I've had like you're three... saving more money. Yes, exactly. I've had like three distinct Magic the Gathering phases in my life where I buy hundreds of dollars worth of cards and then I stop playing and I sell them all. And then some amount of years later, it happens again. And I was starting to feel the itch. Then Marvel Snap came into my life and it's nice. free. <laughs> I actually have a lot of thoughts on Marvel Snap and how it might affect the X Men election since um because you know like that still has not posted still (laughs) but you know it puts more characters into the cultural zeitgeist and who knows maybe armor if she's on it again will be pushed over because she is a popular character in the game so like people recognize her name more and because let's be real x-men elections are won by who the general population knows yeah. Absolutely. And I'm, I'll tell you, I see, but now I can't vote for armor because she fucks over my carnage deck every single time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but she's been so good with that rickety land. I hate it. Anyways, before we get too deep in the weeds. I, I am just going to reiterate on the X vote that the official Araco Public Radio position will be soft serve as she's on the ballot. <laughs> All right. Moving on, news story-wise, we got the April solicitations uh, for all of Marvel, but specifically the X solicitations. Uh, we don't have to talk as much as we do some months because there was no new number ones. Uh, there was, we did see the last of the Sins of Sinister solicitations, including the very, very last issue, Sins of Sinister Dominion, which talks about him begging for forgiveness. So that should be fun. Sure, Jan. <laughs> Uh, it is tacit confirmation that Marauders is canceled. Oh no! <laughs> so sad. So if we get a relaunch after Fall of X, like we presume will, we're hoping for a new number one with a new creative team. But we'll see. Hopefully, the Marauders mm-hmm. brand can be salvaged. Uh, and then the one that I am going to pretend I pretend isn't happening as long as I can. Big changes to X Force including Laura Kinney and Colossus joining the team. My baby. Okay, Colossus. Is he really joining if he was in, like, the original lineup? (laughs) Well, we mean mean joining the character assassination squad. (laughs) I mean... Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, presumably it's just Percy decided he wants to finally move forward with the brain control, mind control plot, so he's moving him on the team. I have a bigger issue with making exterminators ongoing and leave Laura over there. Like, we don't need her. We don't need Percy's hands on her. (laughs) Yeah, no, I want Laura safe. She hasn't gotten the best writing the past couple of years outside of exterminators. And, like, she's such a great character. Like, a really great legacy character. She's my favorite X-Man. Like, I I don't want her in such horrible hands. 
I'm speaking sorry. of that man's speaking of that man's horrible hands, <laughs> we also got a new crossover announced: Ghost Rider Boo. Wolverine Weapons of Vengeance. Boo. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh so this is from our guy benjamin percy it's funny because i joked how every mediocre and above writer as soon as they have two ongoings in the same like company have to cross them over and look the most mediocreist of writers is crossing over his two ongoings so uh the spiel the story will kick off in august's ghost rider wolverine weapons of vengeance alpha where percy will team up with acclaimed artist jeff shaw to reveal Wolverine and Johnny Blaze's first encounter back when Logan was still learning what it meant to be an X-Man and Johnny was still reeling from his demonic transformation, the pair fought side by side against a terrifying supernatural threat. Now, in the present, Wolverine is on the run after the shocking events of Fall of X, while Johnny is following a path of destruction. Their paths will collide again when their past enemy resurfaces deadlier than ever. I have two major questions. One, why do we need to know this in january when we're only getting april solicitations why did they throw this out there today and two why are they spoiling a major plot point of fall of x three crossovers before it happens we literally haven't started sins of sinister yet then we have uh brood war which i guess will kind of be same time as sins of sinister but we got brood war we got uh whatever this year's hellfire gala is which will probably just be a one shot again but we have a hellfire gala we know that and then we have fall of x all of that is coming before this, and we have a major plot beat of, like, Wolverine's going to be on the run after, spoiled now in January. I don't get what Marvel's, like, solicitation department was smoking today. That is such I mean, a weird drop. Spoiled a lot of plot points and events. Um, like, not That's just true. an X-Men. I'm thinking about, like, because you mentioned me being a Captain America fan, like, we knew his son would be brought back into existence That's from true. the moment they announced the poster. <laughs> Because he was just like right there. That's true. And that was like months ago. So I get why they need to do some spoiling in solicitations, but I feel like even as recently as like five or ten years ago, they were being cryptic and they weren't doing it even in advance of solicitations. Like the August solicitations don't come out till April. Why are we finding out now about this crossover that's only one month of a crossover? It's one issue of each book that's getting tied into it. I'm at my wit's end. Well, look, and I also maybe... feel like they could say Logan's on the run without saying it's because of Fall of X. Like, yeah. You literally could have left off that half the sentence. <laughs> like, Logan can be on the run for a lot of reasons. Yeah, he usually is. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, we had to, we, but they had to release this dipshit quote from Benjamin Percy somehow about metal and heavy metal and all this nonsense. Oh yeah, I, I stopped reading before I got you, to that. You did. Wolverine read that is part. Wolverine is metal. Ghost Rider is metal. Together, they're adamantium and chrome weigh in as heavy metal. You know how Metallica and Iron Maiden have toured together, shredded out songs, wailed on music videos. This is a little like that. I write the sheet music that Jeff Shaw brings to pyrotechnic guitar smashing life you're in for a headbanging good time i promise you know how we talked about how we were the most millennial podcast <laughs> that is the most gen x thing yeah. i've ever heard yeah. absolutely <laughs> oh. oh i'm so glad you didn't let me go without reading that i i wasn't letting it happen because I'll be honest you guys were talking about captain america and i zoned out because i was reading that and just like <laughs> It gave me big, like, 
it gave me big youth pastor energy. <laughs> oh, completely. Of like, you know, I know a guy that's pretty heavy metal too. His name, Jesus. You know, <laughs> oh, it, God. You're Joe, <laughs> Joe of X, if you are watching right now, this is your challenge. Come on and defend that. <laughs> your boy. Come defend your boy. <laughs> that will be the bonus episode. Yeah. The defense of that quote. I will say, Keegan, I don't know if you caught, it is another Wolverine flashback. It's a more of him hand-wringing his past as being painful and suffering. Now, hold on. But did you know that that's why Wolverine is who he is? I, I hadn't, caught, I hadn't caught on to that yet. <laughs> Wolverine and Black Widow have a problem that every story they get is just them being like, oh, my past. It is angst and death and sadness. And I will revisit this every single mini. God. Yes. Well, and there's been this thing now for 40 issues where Percy specifically has to do it in, like, the context of him being physically forced to relive it. So it's all, like, torture porn. The entire book is just torture porn on torture porn, and it's tough. But, hey. Surfing. (laughs) Instead of, oh, yeah, I forgot about the weird surf issue. Yeah. Every Where he, he got the adamantium surfboard for no reason. Yeah. I about that. Oh, it was so stupid. You guys want to talk about next week instead? Yeah, let's take me out of this endless bummer. Alright, I gotta switch screens again. Uh, next week is a super hype week because it is Sins of Sinister number one. Which I did. Did either of you see the preview issues? They're up. Yes, it's gorgeous and so intriguing. They posted the first three pages. The first two pages are the exact same as the first two pages of House of X One, except mm-hmm. Xavier is replaced with uh, Mister Sinister, and then instead of <laughs> instead of to me my X Men is to me my knees, which is just a great <laughs> line. <laughs> uh, Extermin- <laughs> Exterminators number five. And Sabretooth and the XL number three, which is probably the three best books of the month all in the same week. So I'm really excited about yeah. that. Yeah, like Exterminators is going to be fun. I'm going to be sad to see it over. And Me like too. Sabretooth really has cool political nuance and thoughtfulness. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, I was really surprised. I've talked about it. I loved, loved, loved the first mini, but I was kind of expecting the second mini to not work because they lost the gimmick of like, what is Kroko and Hell like? But even without that gimmick, I love the second mini. So it's it's pretty cool stuff. I think that's going to do it for us, though. Anything to add, Keegan? Awesome. Uh, no. All right. Uh, after some peer pressure, we have a Discord server. We make Shay join us and chat there with us. So all of you out yep. there should as well. Uh, it's, it's pretty really small. <laughs> but uh, we're thinking it's going to grow a lot this year. It's out there. It has a promo code for discounts on our merch. If you're into that, if you want to be a walking billboard for us. Uh, Shay, thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Thank you all so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Th- this was a great time. Do you have anything you want to plug? Your TikTok is uh-huh. Shay Baring. Yeah. Um, seek me out at Shay Baring at TikTok. I talk a lot about X-Men, Emma Frost, and Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I-, I go to you for my, t- my Captain America opinions, because I'm really liking Sentinel of Liberty, but I'm not that deep into yeah. his mythology, so you're you're an awesome resource yeah. for that. Gigan, anything you want to add before we go? Uh, No. All right. <laughs> Make sure you like us, review us everywhere, follow us. If nothing else, tell a friend you think might enjoy it. I'm that Nerdy Papa Bear. 
Keegan is Bulk Ranger. Until next time, remember, better dead than red doesn't apply if it's a diamond on your forehead. <laughs>